When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Oh, hey, welcome back to Dead and Roasted. I was just about to start my break. I definitely need it today. I popped my third kidney and needed a break to settle it back down. That's what I get for trying our new Brappuccino. That thing has a little too much kick. But you're just in time, because today I've got several new scary and allegedly true work stories from some of my acquaintances. I've got stories about horrors at hospitals, paranormal prisoners, and even one of my now all-time favorite stories about an old man with one terrifying swing. Get comfy, avoid those brappuccinos, and enjoy these tales from the break room. Almost Killed by a War Veteran From Hospital Makeout I work in a long-term care facility, a really big one with a full restaurant-style kitchen and housekeeping. I work in OCs, which means night shift, 10.30pm to 8am, no lunch included. Most nights we have a resident or two possibly up, but as the majority are completely with it and mobile, that really doesn't matter. Also, a lot of stuff happens at night, so that's kind of gross and something we have to keep in mind. Well, one night I was in the break room. It was about 2am and I just got done doing rounds. We go to check to see if any bed-bound people need changing. I was alone at the moment because my coworker was in the kitchen getting some food. The door to the break room, which had been slightly ajar, was thrown hard against the wall. My back was to it, so I turned around thinking my coworker came back and was trying to scare me. Nope. Instead, there stands an old man with a muscular build and a cane in the air. He had severe PTSD, sundowners, and dementia. He takes one look at me and yells, I'm gonna beat you to death. My reaction was like, that doesn't sound fun. He slammed the cane down against our file cabinet. Suddenly I realize he's in the only exit and all that's behind me is a small desk. He brings that cane down again, saying, You messed with the wrong person. He brings the cane back up, preparing for another strike. He screams. I see just red in his eyes. I can feel the hand of God leaving me at that point. He starts to walk further into the room. I tell the guy, I just work here, I'm new. He replies, 
That's the last lie you ever tell. Then he brings the cane all the way back and break me in half position. Then my coworker appears behind him, chiming in. Hey, stop playing around and go to bed. He stops and looks, saying, No, she needs to die. Then my coworker replies, You can do that in the morning, okay? Go to bed. Suddenly, he stops. He turns around and walks away like I never existed in the first place. I'm standing there, my soul hiding under the desk, and my coworker looks me dead in the face, saying, You're new, that's all. It's been five years since then, and the sound of a cane against metal still scares me. He was nice as heck during the day, though, so I guess that's cool. It's not there. From Jonah R. Between 1999 and 2006, I served my community as a detention deputy. As you might imagine, I have a lot of stories, most of them neither fun nor funny. But there were a couple that were downright terrifying. I decided to become a jail guard when it was announced a jail would be opening up in my hometown. After I left the service, I'd only had a couple of part-time jobs, not anything one would consider a career. During this time, I met a beautiful woman who agreed to become my wife. Working for tips as a waiter was not going to cut it anymore. So away I went to college to earn the right to wear a badge. Once I finished my training, I was off to jail, thankfully on the right side of the bars. When the new jail neared completion, the higher-ups decided to have a deputy stationed there to keep an eye on the place. If I could get that assignment, I'd get to work unsupervised and be five minutes away from my house. I couldn't raise my hand fast enough. Now that I think back on it, I wish I'd kept my hand down. The main part of the jail is laid out like a V, with dorms consistently placed on either side of the V and Master Control was located at the base of the V. Master Control is just what it sounds like. It's the room where primary access control is handled. After checking everything was in place, I settled in for the night. I had snacks, soda, a new book I was looking forward to reading. Keep in mind this was before the iPhone Wi-Fi era. Other than being bored to tears, I didn't have anything to worry about. Or so I thought. We were required to walk down the corridors and into each of the dorms every few hours. I never liked walking down the main corridors. All that empty space was unnerving. I know it's super cliche, but I always got the feeling someone was sitting up in the master control watching me walk around. It felt like someone back there was watching over me. Someone who wasn't actually there. I brushed it off, manned up, and did my rounds. One night I was halfway down the first corridor when I realized I hadn't unlocked the doors before I'd left master control. I groaned. That meant I'd have to unlock all the doors manually. Pop. The door to my left creaked open. Inside I could hear the doors to each of the two dorms also open. What in the world? I thought. It was a new facility, and there were bound to be a few bugs. 
so I double-checked to make sure I had the master keys in my pocket before heading in to shut the inner doors and closing the main hallway door. It would have been kind of embarrassing if I locked myself in, especially for 12 hours. Checked and secured, I moved on. Pop. Pop. This time, it was the primary doors on both sides of the hallway. Just as they had before, the doors in front of me began to open. If something happens once, you can just blow it off, but if something happens twice, at exactly the precise time you're about to do something, that is not a coincidence. Meanwhile, I still felt those non-existent eyes crawling up the back of my neck. Working in law enforcement, in any capacity, can be a soul-sucking experience. You get used to ugly and scary, but this was a different kind of scary. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like I said, the first time it happened, it was relatively easy to shake off. I figured they were using some sort of new motion-sensitive system or something. I called my supervisor the next day, asking him if that happened to be the case. Nah, no way, man. We'd never use something like that. After making it clear that was the stupidest thing he'd ever heard, think about having a motion-sensitive system in a jail for a minute. He asked me why I was asking. I made up something about noticing some equipment in the control rooms and wanting to know what they were. He scoffed. You've taken the courses on how to operate those systems. Heck, you know more about how things work down there than I do. I could feel the sarcasm pouring out of the phone. He could give me crap all he wanted so long as he saved me that 45-minute drive. The following night, I decided to wait a while before doing my rounds. I paid extra close attention to the CCTV cameras. This was back in the early 2000s and I was with a county agency, so we're not talking NSA-level tech here. I watched and watched and after a while, I finally cracked my book open. But then the doors began opening again. I couldn't hear them opening. I first noticed it when I saw motion on the screens. My head yanked up to the sight of three doors slowly opening. I steeled myself, grabbing my keys and going down to close those doors. But things were different this time. Instead of just feeling someone watching me, I swear I saw movement in master control when I glanced back over my shoulder. Racing back, I was greeted to the sight of an empty room filled with mindlessly flickering screens. That day, keep in mind I worked 12-hour shifts at night, I dreamt I was in one of the dorms and I had a ring full of keys, but none of them would open any of the doors. Then the dream went on what I could only call endless desperation loop. I kept trying to get out using the keys, any of the keys, but none of them would open any of the doors. I was starting to get rattled. These sorts of events kept happening. As the day of the jail's opening drew closer, I started to believe there was someone living in that jail. Maybe a homeless person, desperate for a place to stay, had taken up residence there. But no matter how hard I searched, I could not find anyone. Finally, my time watching over the creepy place drew to a close. My last day, or rather my last night, finally came around. The sun began to warm the skies off in the horizon, 
and I could see the lights from the relief officer's car as he pulled into the parking lot. It's not there. The words had come out of nowhere and had been spoken directly into my ear. I jumped up, causing the chair to fly across the room. I rushed around, checking every screen of every monitor in the room. Nothing. So, uh, what's going on? The oncoming officer asked me as he entered the room. I sighed. Nothing. I said, packing up my things and heading out. When you leave the control room, the entryway to the two main hallways is on the left, and the main exit is on the right. As there weren't any inmates in the facility yet, we left the hallway door open. As I stepped out, I stopped for a second to adjust the strap on my backpack. As I turned to leave, I heard someone say, It's not there. The words echoed down the halls. I quickly turned and looked up at the other officer to find him frantically looking over the monitors, down toward me and down the hallways. I didn't know if the other officers were playing a game on me, and the guy who just took over was in on it. So rather than get punked, I just gave him a wave and headed out. Whatever was going on, at least I knew it wasn't just me. Soon the jail was stocked full of alleged evildoers and you couldn't hear yourself think, let alone some ethereal convict trying to find something he lost. Not long after that, I resigned, taking up a job with another sheriff's office. That was 20 plus years ago, but even after all that time, I still think back on those days and shudder. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hospital Haunt from Mortis79 Some time ago, I went to school for nursing. When I graduated, I was hired by the same hospital that I did some of my clinicals at. I live in a small rural town, and this hospital has been around longer than me, about 70 or more years, I believe. I started working on the second floor of the hospital at first. There are three halls in front of the nurse's station, one to the left, one to the right, and one straight ahead. The second week I was at the nurse's station doing some charting when down the left hall that was straight ahead of my desk, 
I catch movement out of the corner of my eye. At first, I thought it was the CNA getting vitals. Then I see what appears to be an older woman in an old-looking nurse's uniform, complete with the old nurse's cap, which we don't even wear anymore. I asked my friend, who is that? He asked, who? The lady in the old white uniform. He looked at me funny. Who told you? I asked what he was talking about. He then explained to me, We've all heard or seen the lady in white. She's been seen on all the floors. Nobody knows who she is. That was just the start of my experience with her. At one point, I went down the hall to check on my patients. At the end of the hallway, there is a room for families to sit and wait in for the doctor. I saw flashing lights, so we went to see what was going on. Through a window, I saw that there was a wreck down the road. Then, the silence was broken by someone whispering in my ear. Hey. I turned quickly, but when I looked, no one was there. A few months later, I would be moved to the third floor. One day when the head RN, the security guard, and I were sitting in the nurse's office in a locked unit, we happened to look up and we saw a black shadow walking down the hallway. I looked them to confirm if they saw it too. They replied yes, they definitely did. On another occasion, the RN was facing the monitor while I was talking to him. Suddenly, he said, Well, she's up again. I'll go take care of her. He was referring to a patient with dementia who would often leave her room. As he turned around, there was no one there. He told me he swore he saw a woman come out of the room on camera, but when he checked again, she was sleeping and hadn't moved. The last encounter happened when an RN and I were talking at the nurse's station and the med room door slammed shut. I went to open it and looked around, but of course it was empty. The RN pulled up her phone and started recording, saying, If that was you, please do it again. At first, nothing happened. Then, slam, the door was slammed shut again. On that same floor, one night I was all alone, waiting in case we got some patients in. It was dark at the time, and I was at the nurse's station, bored, playing solitaire on the old computer. All of a sudden, all the call lights began going off. There was no one on the entire floor. I called my charge nurse and told her I was going home, that if we got a patient in, they could call me. She laughed and said that's fine. She too had had many experiences there. Working at that hospital, there were so many instances of feeling like you were being watched or like you were being touched by someone that wasn't there. However, the entire time I worked there, it never felt threatening. I don't work there anymore, but sometimes I do miss the lady in white. Sounds you don't want to hear in a hospital. From Julie H. Back in the day, I used to work at a hospital for the rehabilitation department. The main department area that we were located at was where we'd sit to document and unwind after seeing patients. It was our escape from the usual, as well as the not-so-usual hospital chaos. Our safe space, 
Before the rehab department moved in, the area used to be labor and delivery, with a small offshoot for critical pediatrics. Over the years, some of my former co-workers would complain about doors suddenly slamming shut or random computers turning off when others kept working. A few certain individuals shared with me their experiences. Later into the evening one day, one speech pathologist heard crying in the hallway. It sounded like a small baby. She ran to go see if anyone needed some help. Once out there, she couldn't find anyone there let alone what could have been the source of that crying. On her way back, though, she heard giggling. Then her door slammed shut right in front of her. Another co-worker, another speech pathologist, would hear the giggling and crying towards the evening. At that point, word had spread about the mysterious noises, so he didn't bother getting up. But as the cries and giggles were ignored, the doors would start to slam and computers began to act up, having problems. At one point, he swore that out of the corner of his eye, he saw small children looking at him near the doors. Over the years, as the department kept growing with more people, there was less opportunity for people to be by themselves. The whispers and sounds started to fade with time. Doors would still slam shut, but that became due to them being replaced and being able to open and close electronically. By the time I was hired, the stories were years old, and most of the older crew were retiring. The newer crowd had heard minor sounds, but waved it away as sounds of the hospital. It was just silly ghost stories to unnerve the younger people. After all, some said, it was the speech pathologists that had issues, then they would laugh. But the older crew that stayed on remembered the whispers, the giggles, the cries. They remembered the door slamming shut. The exceptional few remember the children staring just out of the corner of their eyes. Just enough in view to remind them in that frigidly cold, seemingly empty room, they were not alone. They were never alone, and perhaps they would never be alone again. Child on the Bridge From Fox It was two years ago. I had just gotten done with my closing shift at the restaurant I work at. I don't drive, so most days I'll ride my bike the half-hour trip to work, because when I close, the ride home at midnight is nice and relaxing after a stressful day of work. Well, that day was different. I finished up my work and got changed into my biking clothes. At the time, I was listening to the book It by Stephen King as I was on a horror binge. Well, that night was a night that listening to horror would freak me out more than usual. The first half of my bike ride was uneventful as usual, just the nice relaxing sounds of my book and the night. Now, there's a bridge I have to go over that goes over the Colorado River. I cross it to get home. This bridge is steep, so usually I step off my bike and walk up the bridge, which also lets me take in the night air and the beauty of the moon over the river. Well, that night, as I'm about halfway up the bridge, I start to hear the sound of a child crying. At first, I think it's just my book, so I continue walking. Then I hear the sound again. This time, I get uneasy, feeling like something is wrong. So I take my earbuds out to see if it's just my book. When I hear the sound again, 
I decide to cross over the other side of the bridge to shore where the crying seems to be coming from to see if I could find anything out of the ordinary. The shore on the river consists mostly of rock and some tall grass. I could still hear the sound, but I didn't see anything on the bank. So I kept walking getting higher on the bridge to see if I can see anything down there. I wanted to go down myself and take a look, but I also didn't want to risk getting myself hurt. So I continued the last 10 minutes or so home with that sound in the back of my mind. I got home pretty creeped out about what happened. So I got on my computer and played some games for a couple of hours and went to bed. I didn't even think to call the police to report it. The next morning I told my mom what happened and she thought it was weird, but at least she believed me that I really did hear something that night. My dad and brother thought I was crazy, but I still remember what happened to this day. Ghost in the Warehouse From TDN I used to work in an auto parts warehouse for about two years. In that time, I experienced a few unexplainable and possibly paranormal occurrences, either completely alone or with a friend or two. I started back in December of 2020. I had just lost my grandmother to COVID-19, which will have some relevance in a second. I came back to work probably earlier than I should have, after being off for only a week to grieve. I was using work to just block everything out that was going on. So when I saw what I saw, I chalked it up to grief and shock taking over my brain. I was working on some car parts one day, just labeling and scanning parts and putting them in bins. I turned towards one of the bay doors behind me, specifically number 20, which is where I always saw it. And for a split second, I saw a human-shaped figure. But it was too quick to catch, because as soon as I focused on it, it was gone. As I stated before, I saw it more than just that once. But for every time I saw it, it just made me continue to think that I was just in shock over my grandmother's passing. That was until my friend slash coworker was working with me one day at the same computer. We were just scanning parts as per usual, listening to music and zoning out. Then he just stops in his tracks and looks towards Bay 20. He turns to me and says, Uh, did you see that? I instantly knew what he was talking about or at least I'd hoped I knew. You mean the shadow guy next to Bay 20? Yeah, he's always hiding over there. I said it as a joke, because honestly I didn't expect him to agree with me. But he did, and the face he gave me was that of utter confusion and disbelief. We saw the shadow guy a bunch more times after that, but it was nothing more than just us seeing a glimpse of him, and then nothing. Two other co-workers also came up to me asking if I saw the shadow guy by Bay 20, so it was nice to know it wasn't just me. The second occurrence was something I really didn't ever expect to experience. This one I still can't get over, or explain. Our job required us to work one mandatory Saturday every month, overtime was included, and it was only four hours just to make up some extra work. Plus, they usually bought pizza at the end of the shift, so it was actually pretty nice. People left you alone. You zone out, listen to a podcast, 
and just label car parts. But the one thing that sucked was that it was just receiving and picking that were doing anything. There were two pickers and the receiving team, which included me, so the rest of the warehouse was completely empty. You also needed a key to get in if you went outside at all during the shift. So needless to say, it's pretty creepy. That Saturday in particular, it was me and two other receivers for the shift, and both pickers decided not to show up, so it was just the three of us in the entire warehouse for four hours. Most of the shift went fine. We actually got a lot done in that short time. Needless to say, it went pretty smooth, except when I had to use the bathroom. The only bathroom was on the literal opposite side of the warehouse, about a three-minute walk. I decided to take the forklift. Again, the warehouse is empty besides the three of us, so it was pretty darn creepy just driving a forklift through a dark, empty warehouse. I get to the bathroom, do my business, and leave. To preface what I saw happen, the lights in the warehouse are all motion-activated, so just before you go under one, it turns on, and that goes for every single light except the one above the main entrance. Anyway, I get back on the forklift, and I feel all creeped out, so I just instantly try and get out of there. As I'm driving down the main path between shipping and all the aisles of car parts, I look towards the aisles, and I start to notice the lights all the way at the end of each one start turning on. Not the ones next to me, but the ones literally on the other end. One by one they turn on, keeping pace with the forklift. But it's not matching the speed, it's just a little bit slower. Eventually I get back to receiving without getting attacked by a demon or anything, and I think it's over. When I walk past the computers my coworkers are working at, I explain what I saw, obviously thinking I sounded like a lunatic. But they gave me shocked and confused expressions at the exact same time. Apparently, as they heard me coming down the long path with the forklift, the radio my supervisor was carrying started to crackle, as if someone was hitting the talk button on the other end with another radio, which stopped just as I turned the corner into receiving which if you remember what I said before, there wasn't anyone else besides us in the warehouse, and the channel for the radio was specific to just the handhelds we had in the warehouse. There are plenty of other things that happened in that creepy place, but these were the most significant, and definitely the ones that I can't explain and probably will never be able to. Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Break Room is an EerieCast Network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at Dark Prevails, and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also enjoy plenty more horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com. <laughs>